A lot was communicated on day one of the 2023 Big Ten football media days. Hours ago, head coaches Brett Bielema of Illinois, Greg Schiano of Rutgers, Mel Tucker of Michigan State, David Braun of Northwestern, James Franklin of Penn State, Kirk Ferentz of Iowa, and Ryan Day of Ohio State stood at the podium in Indianapolis and met with members of the media, answered questions about their football team and college football heading into 2023 and the near and distant future, and just shared their thoughts and updates regarding their own team. So today, what my job is to do is to break down what they said, relate it to their team and their roster, and give my thoughts and analysis. I'm also going to be reacting to day two of Big Ten Media Days tomorrow, so make sure to hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I release that video. And also, please subscribe to the channel as we are less than 10 subscribers away from 10,000, where I will be announcing a giveaway. Please like this video, comment your thoughts on day one of Big Ten Football Media Days down below, and like this video and watch it all the way through so we can get it into the algorithm. Without further ado, let's start off with our first speaker of the day, Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema, from what I gathered, is extremely confident in his team's culture, the fan base, and his team's talent level and depth. Brett Bielema returns first-team All-Big Ten defensive lineman Jerzon Newton, who looks to work on the defensive end side this season at Illinois. Also, he has Tara Edwards at D-line, who was in the rotation last season and should take on a bigger role. He also has Keith Randolph at the other defensive end side, so Illinois is stacked defensively in the trenches. Offensively, they're stacked as well. They return some great offensive linemen and should reload at the position. Some key offensive linemen that they bring back are Isaiah Adams, a star guard, and star tackle Julian Pearl. They bring in Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss as their solution at quarterback since Tommy DeVito departed. And depending on who you ask, it's Josh McCray or other players who are going to be in that running back rotation to replace Chase Brown, who left for the NFL. Sidney Brown and Devin Witherspoon departed from the program after 2022's 8-5 and season, where the Illini were ranked in the college football playoff top 25 for the first time in program history. But defensively, I do expect this team to reload. Offensively, they should be relatively the same. Ryan Walters left and Brett Bielema gave him his best wishes, but Brett Bielema praised Aaron Henry who looks to be a great defensive coordinator, and Jim Leonard was announced yesterday night to be joining the staff as a senior football analyst. So Illinois, I think, is in great shape with Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema kind of comes across to me as a tough jerk, and that's not necessarily a shot at him. It's just what he comes across to me as, and his style of football totally reflects that. Illinois is perfectly content with pounding the football, beating FCS teams 31-0, and beating your favorite school 21-17 or 21-20, and owning 40 minutes of time of possession. They are annoying to deal with. Absolutely annoying. And in his first two years, Brett Bielema has been very successful, I would say. 
you know, upsetting Penn State and Minnesota, who were ranked teams when they played them back in 2021. In 2022, they beat Minnesota yet again. They beat Iowa. They crushed Wisconsin on the road. And they nearly beat Michigan on the road. And they played it close in losses to Purdue, Indiana, and Michigan State, and Mississippi State in their bowl game. This team was a few plays away, truly, from winning the Big Ten West last year and getting some solid upsets and potentially a win over one of the nation's four best teams in Michigan on the road. Something that stood out to me was the Fighting Illini's footprint in the Big Ten and their fan base is growing. Brett Bielema said there are around 10,000 new season ticket holders, which is incredible. Memorial Stadium should be more full than perhaps it ever has been, and I think there's a lot of fire and a lot of excitement surrounding this program. Maybe not externally, maybe not from a national view, but definitely you get the sense from what he was saying at the podium and where he was standing and how he was speaking that he has a lot of confidence in his program. There's a very a very organized chain of command that the players, the coaches, their culture, it all mends and meshes together very well. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, especially this team is going to be very successful again, even with Ryan Walters leaving. And I think offensively, we'll have to see how Luke Altmeyer does. I don't think he's going to be that good personally, probably the bottom third of the big 10 for quarterbacks but at running back, they should be above average. On the offensive line, they're going to have one of the better O-lines in the country. Tight end, they're decent, and they have a very underrated wide receiver room with Casey Washington, for example, and there are some other players there as well at wide receiver. So that's Illinois. as Brett Bielema. He was the first speaker of the day. We'll now move on to Rutgers and Greg Schiano. What Greg Schiano did... I think was established realistic expectations. I remember during the 2021 season, Matt Campbell was speaking at a press conference, and Matt Campbell's Iowa State Hawk, not Hawkeyes, but Cyclones, forgive me, Iowa fans, the Iowa State Cyclones were picked to, by some to reach the college football playoff, by others to win the Big 12 after they had a very successful 2020 season where they got a New Year's Six Bowl win, in fact, during the COVID year. They weren't doing so well. They returned Brock Purdy. They returned Brees Hall. They returned, I think, Xavier Hutchinson was the elite wide receiver there, and nothing went well. They went 7-6. and six. And in the middle or later part of the season, when their record was falling apart, Matt Campbell said that his team was still on track to completing what he called Coach Campbell's goals. And that confused people. Like, people were awe-inspired. They're like, What? You started in the preseason top 10, and now there's no hope of you reaching the playoff and little hope of winning your conference. How can they achieve your goals? Well, that's because Matt Campbell has realistic expectations for Iowa State. Compete every few years. Occasionally, you're going to suffer a rebuilding year. They just had that last year where they went 4-8. and eight. This year, they should be much better, whether you know they get to a bowl game or not, or they finish in the top 25 or not, it's yet to be seen. But enough of talking about Iowa State. What he did was he set the tone and expectations to keep his program level-headed. That's what Greg Schiano did with Rutgers. Rutgers will never be Michigan or Ohio State 
or Penn State, and I know never say never, so take that back. I'm 99.9% sure they will not be that, and 98% sure they will not be like a Michigan State or a Wisconsin or even what Minnesota is right now. Maybe they can be that after 2023 when their schedule will get significantly lighter, but they just don't have the talent or the resources to compete. They don't have the history either. They are far from a blue blood program despite their early success in college football's earliest days. However, Shiano thinks that his team is getting closer and closer to competing, and I agree with this. They are top they're in the top three of the Big Ten in returning production. I think they're num- yeah, they're number two, and then they're, they're top 30 nationally. And they return quarterback Gavin Wimsat. They have a nice running back in Sammy Brown V, who was injured last season. Their defense should be—I think it should be a great defense. I'd almost say near elite, but it won't seem like that because of the offense that they have. And we'll see how that works with Kirk Sharaka. Deion Jennings at linebacker is going to be a great player. I have him on my all-Big Ten team. Watch out for him. And their secondary is going to be a a top-seven secondary in the Big Ten. It's going to be in the top half of the conference, which, given the reputation of the Big Ten and defense and defensive backs, means it should be a a top-25 secondary or close to that nationally. I don't think Rutgers is there quite yet. And I think Shiano alluded to that, but he also alluded to the fact that if this year they do break out, he wouldn't be surprised. Wimsat will have experience. He won't be a green player. Sharaka is a much better offensive coordinator than Sean Gleason is. The offensive line, while I don't expect anything great out of it, in fact, I expect it to be terrible, the offensive line should improve because last year's O-line was still one of the worst in the country. Shiano spoke of the importance of in-state recruiting and name, image, and likeness to help them be relevant in the Big Ten. New Jersey has had a lot of highly touted high school prospects. Just think of Rashawn Gary, who is a 1.0 rated player, according to 24-7 Sports Composite. So if Shiano can recruit well in-state, use NIL to his advantage, and, and he believes name, image, and likeness should be done by the school— not through a third party, so he he wants to centralize name, image, likeness, and give the schools more power, which is understandable. There'd probably be less chaos as an upside there. I think that if certain things go Rutgers' way, maybe Shiano hasn't lost his touch yet, because part of me has that feeling that he has, but I like what he said at Media Days. He seems cool, calm, collected, and he knows what he has to do, and he seems confident. Not as outwardly confident or boastful as, let's say, Brett Bielema, but confident nonetheless. Let's talk about Michigan State's Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker impressed me, and I, after Bielema, Shiano went, and I thought they did well. Mel Tucker, in my mind, did a very impressive job. So, Everyone was talking about the hazing scandal at Northwestern. Let's not ignore that. And we'll get to that in a few minutes because we all know that David Braun is after this guy, Mel Tucker, because, yeah, we're going in chronological order. But Mel Tucker, this man stood at the podium, and Mel Tucker is not the best public speaker. I think that's a fact. And he delivered a great speech. 
he, compared to last year, set the tone, admitted mistakes, was humble, but was also cerebral, spoke well about his team, admitted that, you know, he's learning as a head coach, but he's also trying his best to win. And I think he's going all in. And I was already higher on Michigan State than a lot of people were. And I was telling people, don't don't give up on Mel Tucker yet. I don't think he is a great coach or an elite coach like many touted him to be after 2021. But you got to remember, he's young. He's kind of like Ryan Day, except he's not nearly in as good of a position as Ryan Day is and doesn't even have the same amount of resources, despite the fact that he's the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. I think tied with Ryan Day with nine and a half mil per year. There's competition at every position for the Michigan State Spartans, and they're recruiting well, both through the portal. Mel Tucker talked about how they have three 300, over 300-pound defensive tackles who are 6'5", so he's looking for physicality, for size, and they already have they already have guys at defensive tackle. You know, Simeon Barrow Jr., for example, they already have him, and he should be one of the nation's best defensive tackles, and they have Derek Harmon, and they still brought in three defensive tackles. And then Tunmise Adelaide, a defensive end coming in from Texas A&M, him, Chris Bogle, they were four stars coming out of high school, and they're going to be playing at defensive end. So whether it's through the portal, and don't forget Avery Dunn at defensive end either, they're deep in the front seven, linebacker, they return Jacoby Winman, and the secondary, Mel Tucker didn't talk about the secondary at all, which I think speaks for itself. The secondary isn't going to be good again this year. But he did bring in Jim Salgado to help coach at corner. And Dylan Tatum, Jaron Mangum, those are good, underrated athletes. And they're guys who are going to want to learn. They're young. They're energetic. And I think the secondary, while it won't be good, it'll take a, a step forward. And that's just defensively. Mel Tucker seemed optimistic on the offensive side of the ball. He praised Noah Kim as a winner, said this is his deepest team at Michigan State, said that he's top 20 when it comes to just speed for all of the players on his roster. We haven't seen Noah Kim much, but Mel Tucker said what you can, what you can deduce if you look at Noah Kim's statistics. Noah Kim, statistically, in the short amount of time he played, was very impressive. Had like a 90 QBR, 200 passer rating. Anytime he touched the ball, which was few, he impressed with it. So I don't think Mel Tucker is concerned at all about quarterback. I think receivers probably a bigger concern for Michigan State. Along with the coaching staff, he's confident in his coaching staff, though, because he was able to get up at the podium, admit that last year was a disaster, say we're learning, we're changing some things. He, he, I mean, he said the things that he wanted to fix, like the front seven, for example, and then we're going to move on, we're going to compete, and we're going to go all in. And I like that. To a certain degree, it reminds me of Jim Harbaugh in 2021 saying, we're going to do it or die trying. And while I don't think this Michigan State team is going to go 12-2 and two and go to the college football playoff, I do think they're going to hit the over on their four and a half win total, and I think they're going to go bowling, whether that means six and six, seven and five, or maybe, even though I think they're going to face four top 10 teams, 
Maybe they can go 8-4. and four. They're underrated in talent. They're the deepest they've ever been under Mel Tucker. So pay attention to the Spartans entering 2023. You won't regret it. Up next, we're talking about Northwestern's David Braun, the interim head coach. Now, David Braun, what he did, and we're not going to talk about football as much, but David Braun stood up at the podium and talked to you on the screen or to the media, and he filibustered. That's what David Braun did, and I don't blame him. Why would you want to why would you want to talk about, for example, the scandal, the hazing scandal? Why would you want to do that? You don't. You don't want to talk about. You don't want to talk about the hazing scandal. Especially if you're David Braun, especially if you're this guy. And why you don't want to do that is because he was hired by Pat Fitzgerald. He came in, he was a part of the staff for months, and there's a lot of criticism going around and I think understandably so, I don't know about rightfully so, but understandably so, there's a lot of criticism going around that Fitzgerald was fired, but his entire assistant pool was kept intact. The entire thing. David Braun has never coached in a game at the Power 5 level, and now he's going to be a head coach. So he's been thrown into the fire, totally, He got up there, and I don't know whether he's actually confident in his team or if he's just saying that to say it, but he was very slow to speak, plenty of pauses. He was was strategic, cerebral, in, in the same way that Mel Tucker was, in the same way that the previous three guys were. I think that he did a good job, given the situation, given the circumstances. Was it perfect? No, but he also said that Northwestern's number one priority is guaranteeing safety and player experience. So with that, I like that. Short, to the point, and he touched on football too. He's thankful for the opportunity to coach in a Big Ten school. He said that his dream was always to coach and or play in the Big Ten. And I think that the football team will rally around Braun, and they'll fight hard. Now you can fight hard and go 0-12, This is Northwestern. They have a tough schedule. They're practically talentless, in my opinion, outside of Josh Preby on the offensive line and a few other players at linebacker, defensive back. And don't forget their running back, Cam Porter, either. Don't forget him. So they do have some talent, but compared to the rest of the Big Ten, they're they're close to talentless. This roster is barren. And they did lose some transfer portal players already. The special teams will be great. The defense will be average, below average. The offense, even with Ben Bryant coming in, I just think will be putrid. To a certain degree, to a certain degree, you wonder if you feel bad for David Braun, but I don't know if I would go that far. To a certain degree, this is an opportunity for him. He seems like he wants to do what's right and come in and fix this, at least while he is the interim head coach. Who knows whether he'll be hired on the full-time basis or not. If they get more than three, if they get three wins or more, I probably think they should give it to him, maybe, or at least try it out. But the Big Ten and all their schools do have money, so they could go for other options as well. I think he was well-spoken. I think he chose his words carefully. He definitely reminded me of Mel's humbleness, for sure. 
and reminded me of Greg Schiano too in the in the respect that he he is tempering expectations but also saying that his team is prepared and they're prepared to compete and play hard and work hard. So David Braun and Northwestern, not a team to necessarily keep your eyes on when it comes to on the field, but I do think potentially for the long term, maybe you could see this guy be the head coach. But who knows? We'll have to watch the Saturdays play themselves out. Up next, we have James Franklin. Now, if you know me and you watched my review of Media Days from 2022, you know that I am not a fan of James Franklin speaking. And why is that? Well, James Franklin knows how to talk. James Franklin is an extremely good communicator. Facts. He's a very good recruiter. Those two things go hand in hand. The problem is James Franklin often sells you things that sometimes are not true. Sells you lemons, and he did that. Acting like Drew Aller and Bo Pribula are in a QB competition, which is asinine. And if that is actually the case, then Penn State's, well, in in deep trouble, in very deep trouble. But they're not. Penn State isn't in trouble. Penn State this year, I think, is going to be the same as last year or improve. We'll see if that reflects in their record, as I think the Big Ten overall is going to be much better and deeper than last year. But the Nittany Lions, they have a guy like Olu Fashanu, who you can tell by what James Franklin said and just how good of a player he is, that they have a a first-round NFL prospect who has the team's highest GPA. So he's smart, he's big, he's athletic, and he's a leader. He's representing Penn State at Media Day, so he has to be able to lead. He's well-spoken. I don't think you could have a better player in that regard. And he's a tackle, one of the most important positions on the field. So Penn State has a gem of a player, and we already knew that Fashanu was a gem, but to have him lead the team, represent the team at Media Days, and to know that he has success off the field, I just want to give a shout-out to Olu Fashanu. You are going to have a great life, and you deserve it. James Franklin says that this team has great depth, and they do because they've been recruiting well, especially in the trenches, even though I think that will more so show in the future rather than in 2023. While this team has depth, and they're set at linebacker, they're set defensively, I don't care what James Franklin says about cornerback. Cornerback isn't the concern. Ironically, he mentioned corner and QB. In a corner, Penn State will have a top-two corner room in the nation. It'll be them in Michigan, maybe Georgia. They're, they're with elite company at corner. Even losing Joey Porter Jr., they're reloading because Terry Smith is a goat at recruiting and developing secondary players. Quarterback, while I don't think it will be a strength, Drew Aller certainly has a lot of upside. I think defensive tackle and interior offensive line are going to be the weaknesses of this team, and he didn't he didn't touch on that too much, a little bit, but not a whole lot. James Franklin is a, at worst you would say used car salesman, at best you would say charismatic. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I was impressed by him last year because he proved me wrong. I thought that the team was going to continue to nosedive, and he said, nope, and he improved his staff kept the good parts of his staff together, and he's continuously shown that he does know how to put a good staff together. 
and he has Abdul Carter at linebacker, guys like Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson at defensive end, a player like Olu Fashanu, who wasn't even a four or five star out of high school, but was developed and nurtured through James Franklin's program. He does know how to put out NFL players, too. Something that I am going to touch on in a video released later tonight, actually, will be regarding Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, asking James Franklin about Michigan and Ohio State. And James Franklin sort of dodged the question. And I just think that might be a reflection of James Franklin not knowing completely, but thinking that Penn State and, Penn State and Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan, those are games where Penn State's opponents will be favored. Michigan and Ohio State are just up there in terms of trench play. They're going to have much better offensive lines, defensive lines, and they'll both have better receiver rooms and quarterbacks as well. I think that James Franklin might know, along with along with others, we'll see how the season goes, that 2024 might be a much better year to shoot for a national championship and shoot for a Big Ten championship. But maybe that's just me. That's the feel that I got. Um, Penn State will be a very good team this year. James Franklin mainly just talked about the roster and in a certain way filibustered in his own right, only talking about the roster and so on. Let's talk about Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. Iowa football, what I gathered was they're not adapting their philosophy, but they're adapting how they build their roster and they're adapting how they can, how they can get players to play the way they want to play. Not just recruiting in high school, but through the transfer portal. Bringing in Cade McNamara, Eric All, Dejon Parker, Nick Jackson at linebacker, which is just an underrated get. You lose Justin Jacobs. Who cares? Let's bring in Nick Jackson from Virginia, which is awesome. He's going to be a good player, all Big Ten player, along with, of course, the defensive line full of Guys like Deontay Craig, for example, and Joe Evans, who should be first or second team all Big Ten caliber defensive ends. Don't forget Jay Higgins at linebacker two, Cooper DeGenes, Sebastian Castro, Xavier Nwankpa, who is a five-star, according to 24-7 Sports, coming out of Iowa in the 2022 recruiting class. He'll be a phenomenal player there. The defense will reload, and Iowa's punter, return specialist, long snapper and kicker return from 2022. So they'll have the best or second best special teams unit in America. Only South Carolina will be able to compete with them, which South Carolina special teams, they can throw touchdown passes. I mean, it it's incredible what Shane Beamer has done there with his special teams unit. But to focus on the Big Ten, not get carried away like we did with Iowa State several minutes ago, Kirk Ferentz was well-spoken, smooth. You just know that he's old school, comes off that way, which to a certain degree is frustrating because in a certain way it's annoying, like how I find James Franklin, where he's being stubborn and he knows it and he doesn't care. Like he doesn't care that his son is on the staff and actively holding the offense and the team back from potentially winning the Big Ten. For example, if Garrett Riley was the offensive coordinator at Iowa, and their defense stayed the same. Imagine what Iowa football would be, even if they don't recruit well. Just picture that in your mind for a few seconds. That would be, I would never want to play 
on the road at Iowa. Never. I would never want to do that if they had a good offensive coordinator and a good quarterback. And they might have a good quarterback this year in Cade McNamara. In fact, I think they do. But they still have Brian Ferentz as their OC, which, of course, is going to hold them back. This year, Iowa should have a great offensive line. They return all five of their offensive line players, including tackle Mason Richmond. And they have Caleb Johnson at running back, a guy who Michigan tried to recruit. And you saw why that was, because Caleb Johnson, behind one of Iowa's worst offensive lines of the Kirk Ferentz era, shedded tackles, powered through the pile, really phenomenal player. Like, Caleb Johnson is a great Iowa running back. He should break 1,000 yards this season and potentially break 10 rushing touchdowns as well. So I like what Iowa's doing defensively and in the trenches. I think they're going to return to their roots in the trenches. Special teams will be great. Um, Torrey Taylor was praised as a valuable player, talked about kind of as an MVP by Coach Ferentz himself. Every year is a new team, is what Kirk Ferentz said, and Iowa losing about half of their production. It's understandable why he said that, but he also said that's the case every year. And I think that's wise, because you're going to see this in Ryan Day, who we're talking about next, but you have to fit the roster to your scheme. You have to adapt and tweak things and make changes year after year to stay successful. And Kirk Ferentz being the longest tenured Big Ten coach knows knows how to tweak things, knows how to change things. The reason he hasn't changed the offense is not because he doesn't know how to. He just doesn't want to. But with Gary Barta retiring, and he praised Gary Barta as well in his speech, we'll see how long Kirk Ferentz is here. And he is aging, so he's going to retire sooner rather than later. And last but certainly not least, the coach that I am the most excited to talk about, besides Mel Tucker, is Ryan Day. I thought Ryan Day and Mel Tucker owned their speeches and owned their answers to the media's questions. Ryan Day looked like Albert Einstein on the podium, I thought. Very intelligent, very calm, very humble, talked about his team's culture. You can tell that him and Tucker are a, a, they're a part of the new era of what the head coach is. They're young guys, young in their career, and, and you can just see it. And it's, it's cool because it's like passing down the torch from one generation to the next. And it's really awesome to see a guy like Day here, offensive coordinator, genius offensive mind, having the self-control and the humility to hand off the duties on offense to Hartline. And he also mentioned Justin Fry and how he'll be involved with taking over some additional responsibilities on offense. He's talked about how he's trying to manage the whole team, not just the offense, which I think is good and is going to pay dividends. And something that he said as well that Day spoke about, which is interesting, is quarterback, interior offensive line, and the defense. Number one He seems to think that last year for Jim Knowles, while of course you got to do better than a top 25 defense, that it was year one and it was going to take longer than a year for Jim Knowles' defense to fully set in. It's clear to me that Ohio State's players and coaches now think this roster fits the defensive scheme. And if that's true, and my suspicion is true, Ohio State will have an elite defense this year. They'll stop the run, they'll stop the pass, they'll have very few 
if any, weaknesses, and they should have one of the best front sevens in the country, if not the best front seven in the Big Ten. I actually think there's a very good chance they have the best run defense in the Big Ten, which will be interesting because they'll be facing what is obviously the number one rushing attack in the country and in the Big Ten in Michigan when Ohio State travels to Ann Arbor to play the game. And Day also touched on that too, but before we get there, let's talk about the quarterback and interior offensive line room. Day talked about the importance of experience on the offensive line. He talked about how Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones are returning. Both highly recruited, both played well last year, ranked highly according to PFF, over 700 offensive snaps in the 2022 season, and they're back. And Ohio State will have, I think, the second-best guard duo in the country. At center, Carson Hinsman has never taken a snap, and Josh Fryer, Josh Simmons, and several other players at tackle who are competing for the starting job, they haven't had a lot of experience in the Big Ten, if any. Simmons, coming from San Diego State, he played and started in several games, but he's traveling to a new, tougher conference. The staff loves him, though, and Ryan Day specifically named Josh Fryer as a player that he likes and who he thinks is working hard. I have no doubt that Carson Hinsman will be one of the nation's best centers immediately. I think the interior offensive line, and as a consequence, the interior run attack is going to be amazing. Ohio State may look a little more like the Wolverines this season with how they play football and how they play offense, but they'll still have amazing wide receivers like Marvin Harrison Jr., who also represented Ohio State at Media Days, so they'll be able to pound the football and play a a power style of football, in my opinion, while also being able to lean on their wide receivers. This offense is going to be less one-dimensional. It's going to be perfectly balanced, and that's scary. Quarterback, I don't think it's an area of concern, but I think what Day said about the quarterback room is telling. No player has separated themselves yet. I think that's very clear by what he said. I don't know for sure. None of us know for sure because we're not intricately involved in Ohio State's practices and fall camp. Well, maybe some of you are, but I'm not. It doesn't seem like Ryan Day is a liar to me, and I don't think he's lying here. I don't think that either quarterback has separated themselves just yet. I still think Kyle McCord will start, but we'll just have to see what happens. Last but not least, the Buckeyes are clearly motivated by their 2022 losses to Michigan and Georgia, and I think they've learned and adapted. Similarly to Mel Tucker, I think that this team is hungry. Similarly to the Michigan State Spartans and Mel Tucker. They're hungry, they're young, they're motivated. Again, going back to that new era of college football, Ohio State's fully invested in that. Penn State with James Franklin, just wanted to touch on this before we end the video, also talked about NIL, and they're seeming to get on track with their name, image, and likeness program, as is the Michigan Wolverines, who we'll be talking about tomorrow in our reaction to day two of Big Ten Media Days. Thank you guys so much for watching this video. I really enjoyed talking about all seven of the teams represented today, whether it was Brett Bielema, Greg Schiano, Mel Tucker, David Braun, James Franklin, Kirk Ferentz, or Ryan Day. All of these coaches, they're coaching at a high level for a reason. They're competent, 
they can do their job, and they can speak. And I thought all of them, look, they got up at the podium, they said things, I was there taking notes, and I had a lot of fun, and I hope that you guys had even more fun watching this video and this breakdown, and I'll see you all tomorrow. Have a great night.